parents' death was not your fault. My parents deserve justice. I cannot let that pass. If you make yourself more than just a man, then you become something else entirely. Which is a legend, Mr. Wayne. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of DNA Productions. This week, we have uh, decided that we're going to move our Christopher Nolan retrospective to video format. Yep. So we're going to start here with Batman Begins. If you want to hear our first two Christopher Nolan, first three. three Christopher Nolan reviews, I'm sorry, you'll have to go to DNA Film Wars and listen to it in audio format. Yeah, those episodes are going to be Memento, or starting with Following, then Memento, followed by Insomnia. And now we're here. We're going to start the Dark Knight trilogy. So, I think it's a great place to start yeah. for our video <laughs> format. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, we're here with Batman Begins and who was involved in the making of this film. All right. So obviously, this is going to be directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer, who like, writes Every all DC, DC movies. Or used to. Maybe used not to. so much anymore. Uh, starring Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Liam Neeson, Katie Holmes, Gary Oldman, Kelly Murphy... And I'm going to say Morgan Freeman because I love Morgan Freeman. So, okay. And there's some more people in there, but, you know. Uh, and, of course, you can't forget the score by Hans Zimmer and James Newton And James Howard. Newton Howard, yeah. So, you know, yeah, lots of uh, lots of uh, really talented people. This Absolutely. is an A-list cast with an A-list crew. I mean, pretty much any film lover's dream yep. coming together to make this movie. Uh, and so, basically, the plot of this movie, it we uh, see how Batman is created. Essentially. Uh, essentially. And his battle with Ra's al Ghul yep. to save Gotham. And kind of Scarecrow. Scarecrow's a bit player in the movie yeah. as well, yes. Kind of. <laughs> definitely, definitely features, uh, really focuses on Ra's al Ghul though, so, which is pretty cool. Well, we'll talk about that. Really. <laughs> he is the main villain, I guess. He is the main villain, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. But, uh, so yeah, let's, let's just get right into our, our review here. Uh, the movie starts out uh, with uh, Bruce Wayne. God, I can't think of his name for a second. Bruce Wayne, he is in Asia. Yep. He, we are to understand he's been in Asia for some years. He's in an Asian prison. And uh, some Tibetan prison, I'm assuming. I think I think that's what it says. It says something about like, Tibet. Or... Uh, and he is... Uh, fighting with the other inmates, and he is found by Liam Neeson, who presents himself as a man named Ducad. Ducad, and Liam Neeson tells him that if he picks a blue flower and he makes it to the top the of the mountain. mountain, that he will be trained as a member of the League of Shadows, which is the kind of looming evil organization over this film. Yeah. Uh, first thing I noticed about this movie. You know, we always talk, or in our previous reviews, we talked a lot about Nolan's penchant for non-linear storytelling. Yeah, it, it wasn't featured as heavily in the previous film that we watched, Insomnia, yeah. but it's definitely featured more prominently in this movie, back to kind of his roots. Well, I was going to say, actually, that this movie is told more or less linear, in linear it's fashion. It's just cut. They, they do cut, intercut scenes from his childhood, yeah. and this League of Shadows thing, they do sneak one scene that is actually that happens towards the end of the first act and earlier just kind of is like a, a hint of what's going to happen but after that especially once we get to the second act this movie is more or less told linearly yeah. which i think for a for a mass for a movie meant for mass consumption 
a Batman movie, I think, was the right move. Yeah, I'd say definitely, <laughs> definitely the first act is where it's is where it is nonlinear, kind of in in classic Nolan fashion. Mm-hmm. But after that, yeah, it definitely it definitely becomes a pretty linear movie. So yeah, but this first act, you know, I I wrote down in my notes that we kind of, kind of, in my opinion, we kind of speed through this League of Shadows training bit. You know, I we talked uh, when we were talking about uh, two thousand one. I talked about how. For most filmmakers would take the story of that third act in that film and would make it the whole movie. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of filmmakers would have taken the story that Nolan presents in this first act of Bruce Wayne going to Asia uh, and, I mean, really, we don't, we just see a brief montage of this, but apparently he went in and he got in with the crime lords in Asia and was a, you know, a still helping stealing from Wayne Enterprises or yeah. whatever to learn how they functioned. And then he got put in prison, and then he went and he found, or, or the League of Shadows found him, and then, you know, he spent some, we see in a, some montages, him training with Liam Neeson yep. to be a member of, of, of the League of Shadows, and all this happens in a span of about, I don't know, the first 30, 40 minutes of the movie. Yep. Uh, I think they could have easily made this the whole movie, though. Yeah, it would have been cool to, uh, it would it definitely would have been cool, I mean, Granted, whatever whatever we say about this movie, I I, I love this movie. So, uh, it would have been cool as much as I like this movie. I think it would it would still be cool even even now to see, um, a movie about this scenario. Like really, like talk like talk. This movie is talked about as an origin story for Batman, mm-hmm. a true origin story. Like how he gained the knowledge to train and train to become the person that he is and. In the final moments, we see him don the cape and cowl and yeah. become Batman, which would be a really interesting movie to see. And then we delve into the Dark Knight or whatever. Yeah, which I I think, I, and maybe this was pushed by the studio. Probably, I mean, I would think Nolan probably had pretty much creative control of this. I just think he didn't think that would leave enough Batman. I think they, no. they thought, the, the writers of this movie, I think when they probably were, the studio. I think... Nolan probably had a lot of creative control over this movie, mm-hmm. but in the long run, I think Nolan realized what this movie was being made for, and it was being made for a very broad audience. If Nolan would have had complete 100% total creative control and could have done this with just his production company and Warner Brothers not backing him, yeah, I think that he might have taken a chance and done something like that, but he knew this was being marketed to a mass audience and that it needed to be a Batman movie and not this build up for two hours so yeah because this is a, this is a fairly long movie it's two hours and 20 minutes it's long, 140 so. minutes uh and yeah when warner brothers gives you 150 mil you better make Do a what good they return say. on a good return on investment but anyway so you know all this happens we have ken watanabe who is a great actor but really is barely in this movie he's the quote fake, unquote Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, he's the fo- uh, fake Ra's al Ghul. I, i'm not sure i still really understand uh, Liam Neeson's reasoning for hiding his real identity from I Bruce Wayne. I, I mean, I guess I mean it's not like a major hang up for me. No, it's kind of a big ruse though. They go through to fake Ken Watanabe being the uh, actual Razagul yeah. and all this. But anyway, and you know, but they ask Bruce Wayne to kill a farmer who is allegedly a murderer, and that's where he decides he doesn't want to be a member yeah. of the League of Shadows. So he, you know, burns down their castle or their little palace or whatever. And Might I say that it's a it's a very nice set design that they've created here. I mean, I assume they probably filmed it on. I don't know if they filmed this in in some in you know Tibet or whatever, but 
it's it's a pretty it's a pretty pretty scenery around it. I mean, big snowy mountain with this large uh, Asian looking building on top. Yeah. Uh, um, I like it a lot. I think I think the set design for for it's pretty cool. Looking. Oh yeah, the set design. This whole movie is filmed. Uh, the set design and the cinematography, everything like that, is very beautiful. Yeah. very well done. As most Christian I think I think this is home. where. To me, the the cinematography and the style in this movie is really where Christopher Nolan became Christopher yeah. Nolan as we know him today, and he uh, the way he frames like certain like like especially like cityscapes like when he's painting over cityscapes and the way that looks and like the color palette and everything of of things like that mm-hmm. definitely where he found his his niche and style. So yeah, obviously, I mean, this movie looks beautiful as like I said, most Christopher Nolan movies do. Uh, but you know, while we're still here in this first act, I do want to talk about some of these um, flashback scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one Michael Caine looks the same age in all the flashback scenes and the present scenes. Uh, Gary Oldman, they they try to make look like he's aged, um, but freaking Christian Bale, like to give us the impression he's a college age student, they gave him like this boyish haircut which i get the impression he's not supposed to be like a young college student i get the impression he's supposed to be you know probably around a senior in college or so uh considering the fact that rachel is in law school Mm. and an intern for the da Mm. i i get the impression that he's probably around a senior in high school if not in if not already like graduated and also in a graduate program or something like that so he's probably around his character's probably supposed to be around 23-ish, 24 maybe, at the oldest, pushing it. And he was about 30 at the time of filming, so... Okay, well, I just thought it was kind of funny. I, I mean, I granted, his haircut, <laughs> he, he definitely does not look like a college student, and the haircut is yeah. kind of funny to see him. Yeah. They, like, just cut it and swoop some bangs swoop down some in bangs. front of his forehead, and you're like, okay, that makes you look younger. I, I did think, I did make a note that I, when they, in the, the youngest scenes, when, you know, they're flashing back to, you know, when he was a boy and all this and his parents are killed. Yeah. And I didn't think that the young, the boy, the actor playing the, the really young Bruce Wayne was that great of an actor. I don't, I don't I've never really cared for him. I think he, he kind of. He undersells he under, pretty much everything. undersells his emotion, yeah. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, I think, you know, the nonlinear stuff is handled pretty well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely this. not done to like the degree of following or memento or something like yeah. that. So that's good. Yeah. Which is definitely good. <laughs> I didn't want to have to like wrap my brain around that <laughs> tonight. But, um, but anyway, so, you yeah, know, they, they, he burns down this, uh, League of Shadows hideout and he, but he saves Liam Neeson's character, uh, who he does not know at this point is the actual Raza Ghoul. Uh, and he just kind of leaves him with the villagers. So then we get into the second act of this movie uh, in which he goes back to Gotham with a mission that he's going to liberate it of crime, crime. I guess. <laughs> uh, and of course, you know, his public, the board of his company has had him declared legally dead. So they're going to take the public, com- the co- they're going to take the company public, uh, you know, virtually taking it out of his hands. Yep. Uh, and so, and then the second act, we uh, really build on the, Really, it's kind a of love a love story between him and, and yeah, and, and then and then a lot of setup for uh, this toxin, this fear toxin that that uh, Scarecrow will be using mm-hmm. yeah. at, in the third act, or that the League of Shadows uses in the yeah. third act, and uh, focusing on that and stuff like that, and uh, Bruce, you know, meeting with Lucius and uh, Morgan Freeman's character, Lucius Fox, mm-hmm. and 
gaining equipment and making a suit and all that stuff and yeah, trying to get trying to get together this crew basically of of people he knows who are good in the city that are that will help him along the, along along the way so yeah and there's a there's a big plot surrounding uh one of the uh uh mob leaders yeah. um and you know they Rachel trying to take him down as the as the one of the DAs yeah, Carmine and, Falcone uh, yeah, and so you know we we spend a lot of time with that, uh, which um, really they you know he's in here so that we can have the big Batman introduction scene. Yep. Uh, which comes about an hour into the movie, uh, where you know Batman has he's gotten a suit. I, I like the evolution of Batman, so you know he he gets trained by the League of Shadows, yep. and then we have this scene. Well. He goes to his company and he meets with Lucius Fox, who is the head of the Applied Science Applied Sciences Division. Uh, and one, you know, I think for the most part, Christopher Nolan, you know, David S. Goyer, they bring him on because he knows comics inside and out. So his job is to, I guess, you know, probably write. He is the story credit, so he writes out the basic plot of the movie and he brings in all of his knowledge and then Christopher Nolan comes in I figure and, and embellishes it and actually writes the dialogue and, and he like writes the dialogue he, and he just he makes it make sense he always is asking why why is this happening why is this happening I think that Christopher Nolan and Goyer together do a really good job for the most part of making a plausible origin story for a man who dresses up as a bat and beats up criminals <laughs> um i mean now granted it's it's not something that would ever happen but i think that yeah they've definitely done a, a good job creating yeah. um what could be perceived as a plausible world where someone if they had the means could get all this equipment and if they were in good physical mm -hmm. condition could fight could put on i mean a cow and a cape and Beat the tar out of people. So they, I mean, Gotham is. I mean, I Gotham is a little cartoonish in its portrayal of just how like rotten and, and yeah. crime ridden it is. And one of my again small hangups, but hangups is that Wayne. Now I understand Wayne Enterprises is a huge conglomeration that does a lot of things, but it's kind of convenient that Wayne Enterprises has all this advanced weaponry and and military gear just laying around in development stage when my understanding was that they were mainly a, a, from, from what I get, I know you read extra, but from what I gather from this movie, his dad was a doctor. They were a medical, uh, supply and technology company. Yeah. Um, that's a little convenient, but I mean, again, I mean, this movie is, is good enough that I'm, I'm going to overlook yeah. these, these things. Uh, but it's yeah, it, it definitely is. Wayne Wayne Enterprises or, or you know the Wayne Foundation is definitely supposed to be this large, uh, large like essentially like a philanthropist conglomerate where they create all kinds of things for all kinds of different yeah. uh, fields: medical, technology, education, uh, weapon weaponry, yeah. or whatever they need. Honestly, I mean, yeah. they just kind of do it all. Well, yeah, and and they make a they drop a line to you know hammer home the evil corporation thing. Where the the CEO or whatever is like, or the chairman of the board is like, talking about how they're they they can expand into selling weapons now that uh, Bruce Wayne's dad Thomas, uh, Wayne. Thomas Wayne has has been dead for twenty years. Uh, my just thing is that I mean it's 
you're not usually like in real life you're not going to see a company that sells medical supplies like do a 180 and change his business model to sell or vice versa weapons. you know in iron man <laughs> in the first iron man i mean stark industries is mainly uh mainly a weapons manufacturing company and he's like yeah no we're not going to do that we're going to focus well, on well that's other different things. because that's part of like he uh, he's runs that company and that was part of like his character like he went through an experience that made yeah. him decide he didn't want to sell weapons. This is just the Wayne Corporation say screw it we're gonna sell weapons now. <laughs> um, but like I said, this, this, it's kind of just a, a thing they brush over that I'm I'm getting hung up on. But anyway, um, so anyway they have their first encounter with Batman where he does the I'm Batman or no yeah he says that and uh, he uh, strings up Falcone. On, his on bat a light, thing. creates the first bat symbol. Creates the first bat symbol or whatever, um, and then uh, so we get through all that and we see at, at this point did he have the tumbler, the the Batmobile, yeah. the yeah that's pretty cool. Now I like the 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 re the rendition of the Batmobile. Yeah, I movie. like the tumbler. It's supposed um, to be a failed attempt at some sort of military vehicle that they were using to. Uh, jump bridges essentially like when bridges were out you could like jump a yeah. river and it would tow cables behind it so yeah. it could create a bridge for people to get across but yeah. apparently they could never get the bridge to work so it just sits in the basement of this corporation's building or whatever yeah. so it's whatever and then we get these the next big action sequence where Rachel uh, is trying to uh well, uh, Falcone had been put in prison. Yeah. And so Scarecrow, who uh, is... Dr. Crane. Dr. Crane, who is played by Killian Murphy, uh, he sprays him with that... That fear stuff, toxin. Fear toxin, because he's actually working for Rise Al Ghul, not yeah. uh, Falcone. And um, anyway, he gets him moved to this asylum. So Rachel, you know, she's still snooping around. She wants to be able to bring her own psychiatrist in to evaluate him. And so... Uh, Crane decides that he's going to throw a bunch of this uh, fear toxin in her face after he shows her their evil plan. They're putting the fear toxin in the water supply. And uh, Batman comes to save her. Yep. And in this sequence, uh, it's an exciting sequence. I think it's pretty I like well it done. Uh, the one thing, uh, I think the action is filmed pretty well in this movie. The one thing that I kind of is like, I don't know that if that would happen, is he has this sonic... Uh, thing. Oh, the thing that attracts the, that attracts the bats. And I'm like, I don't really know. If, like, what kind of emitter is that going to have every bat in the city really flog? And not just flog, but they literally fly through the glass windows to get to it. Um, Again, uh, we're talking about a movie where <laughs> a uh, a billionaire dresses up as a bat and fights crime lords. I'm just saying, so. they're, but they're also trying to make it as realistic as yeah. possible, and I'm just like, well, eh, whatever. But uh, sh- she's gonna die because he gave her too much of a jo- dose. So he he fights through it and he uh, puts her in the tumbler with uh, in- with Gordon's help. And, and then we have this prolonged chase sequence. I think this chase sequence is is entertaining for a while, but I do think it drags towards the end. And then it gets kind of goofy at the end as he makes the jump and screams yeah. Rachel as they're going Rachel! through. Rachel. Yeah, I'm gonna. I want. I want to talk about since you brought that up. Um, uh, Christian Bale for a moment. He's good. He he definitely embodies the physicality yeah. of Batman, and he's a good actor. But at times in this movie, I think he goes a little overboard. I have a ta- hard time taking him serious. 
Sometimes, yeah. And he holds his mouth really funky. You're like, I can't do it. But he's like, it's just like distracting the way like, he's like puffing out his lips at all times. I don't know. <laughs> it's something weird. I don't know. I, I like Christian Bale. I think I think he's a great Batman. He's he's a really good Bruce Wayne for sure. He pulls off the pulls off the billionaire playboy philanthropist kind of kind of type very well. And he definitely embodies the physicality of Batman really well, which is nice. Um, I mean that scene where he's. I think the only thing that really makes him super goofy is Batman that a lot of people have you know harped on over the years is the voice. The voice. <laughs> And it's been tried to explain away by the fact that supposedly the neck of the cow, the material that it's made of, compresses his neck and causes him to have that rasp or whatever. But well, I always think as he was doing that to hide his voice. Yeah. So, well, they tried to explain it away because, you know, why would somebody go to that extreme to... Or whatever, well, but... Yeah. I, I don't know. I just... At times... No, like I said, for the most part, I like Christian Bale. I, I like role, Christian Bale as Batman, despite, it's despite the voice. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah, it's definitely a little um, overboard. But, but I do like. I, I kind of got off this. It just depends there. on what he's saying, honestly. I mean, when he's screaming stuff like Rachel, yeah, Rachel, like, you're like at that oh. point, I'm like, she's out. Why are you still using the D voice? But whatever. <laughs> um, but I got off this point earlier. I, I want to circle back to it real quick. I like the evolution, and and, and this is helped by Christian Bale. Uh, like I said, the League of Shadows thing, and then his first night out or whatever where he goes to encounter Gordon and he puts on this little ski mask or whatever and he goes uh, up behind him and puts a stapler to his stapler. head and then when you know he always has that thing where you know it's, it's famous people mock all the time now where he just suddenly disappears but the first time he tries to do it he goes out the window and he has to jump and he has to try to climb up the the, the fire, fire escape, escape and, stuff. and he actually falls down the fire escape yeah. and Gordon almost catches him I, I like that evolution that we're showing um, but anyway, uh, back to where we were. So the car chase, they get the antidote. I did write down in my notes. I thought the antidote was kind of convenient. Lucius Fox was just like, Oh, here it is. You know, I, I, you were, you were dosed. So I, uh, I took your blood and made an antidote out of it. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Oh, okay. And I mean, it is, it is just, you know, like a plot contrive. I mean, it is a convenience. I mean, a script that doesn't have very many of them. I mean, it's yeah. just like. Literally, like, a one line of dialogue, and Lucius Fox just magically has the yep. the cure. Uh, but he is Morgan Freeman, so who am I to doubt Morgan Freeman? I mean, he's played God. He has played God. Multiple times. Multiple times. So, uh, so who are yeah. we to judge? Who, who, who are we to, who are we to judge? But Morgan Freeman does, or Lucius Fox does get fired. He does. Because the evil fired. board guy, evil CEO. <gasps> Corporate America. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, anyway, so... Uh, for the, you know, the big finale of this second act, one thing I do want to kind of knock this movie for is, you know, they, there's always that adage that a, a superhero is only as good as his villain. Um, I love Liam Neeson. Yeah. I, I think Liam Neeson is good in this movie. Yeah. There is not enough Liam Neeson in no, this movie. No, he's probably in it for a two hour and 20 minute movie. He's in intercut scenes for the first 40 minutes so mm. i'd say in total in like the first act he doesn't even show up in the second act that's what i'm saying it's so like, like combined maybe 30 minutes of the movie we go we go what do you think about 30 30 minutes? probably about 30 minutes or so we go a, a, over an hour probably closer to an hour 20 without even seeing him or really even you know they knowing if he's alive or, or what they drop hints with this crane character that he's he's working back. for someone big but, and his um, boss is coming or whatever yeah but, I, I, like I said, I think Liam Neeson is good in this movie. And, you know, if you're going to pit Christian Bell up against somebody, I know Liam Neeson has a lot of years on Christian Bell, but, I mean, he's a worthy adversary. He 
Liam Neeson can do action. He can do physicality. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and he, I, he also embodies the uh, I, I like the uh, the intelligence of of Liam yeah. Neeson in, in combating Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and uh, but you know one of the things that makes the sequel that we're going to talk about next week so or whenever we get to it, I get to two months from now. <laughs> uh, whenever uh, one one of the things that makes it so great is that. He's, he's in we a lot spend of a lot of time with Joker. Yeah. And, I mean, one thing, of course, Heath Ledger puts on a magnificent performance, but yep. we also spend a lot of time with Joker, and he's... Developing his character and yeah. understanding his psyche to a degree. Yeah, and, and... But in this movie, Ra's al Ghul is very much just a role player in this movie, where, you know, Nolan and Goyer are much more concerned with telling Batman's story, yep. which, I mean, I understand that. I don't want this movie to be any longer, because it's long as it is, but I do wish Ra's al Ghul had more to... More to do in this movie. I wish we could spend more time with him, and I wish he was. Given do Do you more think? Do. do you think that maybe we could have just possibly cut Jonathan Crane out altogether as Scarecrow and just had it be Ra's al Ghul in certain scenes that were, you know, maybe it, maybe Ra's just brought the fear toxin. Like, why do we need? I mean, I understand, you know, Scarecrow, the fear toxin is kind of his thing. Yeah. But what if we just have Ross Al Ghul being the person? Because yeah. the flower does grow in Tibet where the League of Shadows, yeah. you know, headquarters or whatever you want to call it was. Yeah. Why doesn't he just bring that to yeah. Gotham and do Gotham. it himself? Well, one thing I think Goyer, because Goyer yeah. is a huge comic book fan, I think he wanted Scarecrow in this movie. Uh, Which Killian Murphy's good. I love Killian Murphy. Killian too, Murphy's so. a good actor. He really, I mean, Killian Murphy can embody insane. Like, yeah. He just looks crazy. Uh, it's those yeah, eyes. I, I do agree with you. I think. Scarecrow is really an unnecessary addition to this movie. I feel that watching this movie, yeah. I always have. Uh, I think cut him out and have it be focused on Ra's al Ghul. Because, uh, I mean, as much as I like Killian Murphy in this movie, he's not Liam Neeson. No. <laughs> I love Liam Neeson. And he never, and even throughout the entire trilogy, because he does show up in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. He never really plays a large part. He's just kind of there. there. This is the biggest role he'll play by yeah. a good shot. By a large um, margin. Uh, but no, but Liam Neeson, you know, like I said, I do like his performance. I do like at the very skipping to the very end real quick. I do like when he realizes that he's dead, he doesn't like panic. He just kind of closes his eyes and accepts, accepts it. it. See, I, I like that about Rise of Ghoul's character. I like that about Liam Neeson's performance. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, he, they burn down Wayne Mansion. Uh, but luckily, Alfred Pennyworth is there to... Save, save the day Bruce uh, pull Bruce out but then we get into this big uh, third act where they're gonna they have this microwave emitter emitter that was they stole from Wayne Enterprises yep. that instantly vaporizes any water that's close to or any sort of moisture basically area moisture and they've pumped the city's water supply full of this toxin but in order for it to have effect it has to be breathing in through the lungs so their so they have evil to plan it. is to vaporize it and cause Gotham, everybody in Gotham, to go crazy and kill each other. So yeah. their their thought process in this in this scenario when it starts out this third act, we um, are in Arkham and they end up releasing all the criminals and release Crane and or as Scarecrow now, mm-hmm. and he they kind of run rampant and we're down in this what they call the Narrows, which is the more crime-ridden, poor, poverty-stricken area of Gotham. Mm-hmm. And that's where they start out where, with the poor people and making them turn on each yeah. other because they're the most likely to do so, as, as my assumption. So, I think they start there. Well, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, they, that's where they start. And uh, uh, so they're going to get on this 
tramway subway thing uh, and they're gonna just kind of haul it through the city but Bruce Wayne and Gordon devise a plan where Gordon's gonna shoot out the bridge while Batman um, goes and fights Ra's al Ghul or whatever uh, Rachel is here she saves a little boy from Scarecrow she tases Scarecrow in the face and uh, gets Gordon the antidote gives Gordon so the antidote can... so now uh, so now Gordon Rachel and Batman are all inoculated yep. and they're all safe from And they have one extra that they can get to Lucius so he can yeah. mass produce it. Mass produce it, which really never comes back into play. I guess no. they're going to... We're just all to assume that it happened. Happened, yeah. After uh, this. After and... fact. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so then we have the, the fight on the train yep. where, you know, a, a, a decent leaf. I don't think... Uh, it's kind of hard to see at times, but I think a decently staged fight between yep. uh, Ra's al Ghul and, and, and Batman... Uh, and of course, I mean, I do have questions like, I would think that those punches that Liam Neeson is throwing would hurt him a lot more than it would hurt Batman who's wearing a a Kevlar suit, but, uh, I'll take it. I love Liam Neeson (laughs) in in an action scene. And then of course, like I said, Batman's famous line. I don't, I don't have to, I won't kill you. Uh, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Yeah, but I don't have to save you. Uh, and then he lets him die as the train crashes. Although we never see a body. Which usually means somebody's coming back, but he doesn't. Spoiler well, alert. he blows up. We're to assume up. he blows up. The he whole train blow up. blows up. Uh, one thing I want to compliment about Christopher Nolan is, I mean, there is some CGI in this movie, but a yeah. lot of these action scenes are almost totally practical. I think the majority of the CGI comes a lot of the effects for the fear toxin. And I mean, obviously, there's going to be some CGI for like the monorail and stuff like that. And some of the cityscapes that they yeah. just obviously can't create. Yeah. But... What CGI there is really holds up. As, I would say the, the one, fear toxin is a little is a little questionable, yeah. especially like when he douses Crane and the the weird Batman that's things. That a little, is, that's what, that's a little sketchy looking. Say, I don't know if that holds up very well, but but for the most part, I mean, obviously, like I said, there's going to be some cityscapes that have been filled in with CGI. Yeah, they all look great. The monorail, I think, looks really good for for this movie coming out 15 years ago this yeah. year, uh, June of tw- of 2005. If I'm not, if what's what it says right here, yeah. Um, holds up pretty well for being 15 years old. Yeah, it does. It does definitely. Uh, but anyway, so then uh, we get to the wrap up where uh, by this point Bruce has revealed to Rachel that he is Batman, and in a roundabout way, he doesn't go about it. She's like, you know, you could die at least. You know, tell me tell your me, name. Tell me your name. And she he repeats the line that the she line said that she to him gave him earlier, earlier which is. Uh, it's not who you are underneath, but what you do that defines you. And yeah. he says that back to her. She's like, Bruce. <laughs> uh, what did you think about uh, um, Katie Holmes in this movie? I, I like Katie Holmes. I don't have a problem with her in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's not a, of huge importance necessarily. Yeah. Uh but I mean, she's fine. She does. She fills the role adequately. She's not amazing or anything. But Maggie Gyllenhaal in the next movie probably does a better, probably better, better part. Uh, but but I think Katie Holmes is fine. I think obviously Morgan Freeman is Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Michael Caine is really good. I love Michael, Michael Caine. Caine is great. Uh, um, Michael Caine is hands down one of the best parts of this entire. Trilogy. And then Gary Oldman for what he's asked to do does it does it adequately? Of course. I've really I've always liked him as as Detective Gordon. Yeah. So. But anyway, so uh, like I said, we're at the wrap up. Um, and Rachel, I don't really understand Rachel's reasoning at the end. Yeah, of it doesn't movie. make any sense. It's kind of out of left field. Yeah, where she's like, "This is your real mask," and touches she's his like, face. The man I loved is gone. Ne- she basically, she's like, you know, he never came back after yeah. after you left, and she's like, maybe one day when 
when Gotham no longer needs Batman, we can be together. I mean, I thought she didn't like him when he left because he wasn't doing anything, but uh, it doesn't really make sense. But, you know, they need to... Christopher Nolan obviously knew he was making a sequel and he needed some strife to still be there, I guess. So yep. he, he had that scene left in. Uh, and then at the very end of the movie, we get the hint to the villain of the next film. Yeah, Batman goes and meets Detective Gordon, who's now uh, a lieutenant in the police of Gotham, Gotham's police department. And he's standing on top of the building where they've created the actual bat symbol with the actual emblem on the light. And uh, he meets him and he's like, you know... Uh, we got some new guy, blah, 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 blah. He has a calling card, and he flips the card over. It's a Joker, Joker. card, so. Yeah. And then he uh, has this whole monologue about, you know, I never got to thank you, and Batman's like, uh, and, and you never won't have, have to. to. And then he jumps off the building and swooshes through as it cuts to black as his yeah. wings fly over the camera. And the score swells. I, I forgot to dun, mention, dun, dun. Um, the score by Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard is really good. Oh, it's great. I mean, this is... I mean, this is like the. I mean, this like not just because it's good. I mean, which it is really, really good. Yeah. But this is by definition an epic movie score. Yeah, I think this is. Uh, to me, it seems like this is probably where we have gotten our our blockbuster score tropes of a lot of whoa, um, yeah. and you're like. <laughs> I mean, I it probably started before this. But probably, yeah. I, I I really 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 enjoy the score. This is. This like really the entire Dark Knight trilogy score for each of the movies. Yeah, uh, I think this is. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's so probably some of the the best score, if not the best scores for a superhero movie. It's definitely up there, and it, a lot of it's really simple too. Yeah. Like the Batman thing is like two notes, boom, boom. <laughs> but uh, no, and you know I wonder. You know, it's weird that you would see two such big name composers. Now I don't know if, how, how big of a name Hans Zimmer was when this came out, but um, he'd done some pretty big stuff. He'd, um, he'd worked with Michael Bay on a couple movies, yeah. and um, he's he's a pretty big name at the for time. Two big name composers like this to collaborate on a project. I uh, I don't know who did what. If I were to guess, I would say that the the kind of bassy, more grandiose definitely more superhero feeling though the ones that we remember more yeah we're Hans Zimmer and then the more the ones when the movie slows down and like the the themes that play when Rachel and and Bruce are talking and the more cinematic stuff I think is probably yeah. the work of James Newton Howard but it's all good it all works together really yeah, good definitely. and they they both need should deserve a lot of praise for it I absolutely. love this score I have most of it on my Spotify playlist yep, absolutely so. Uh, but anyway, um, I think it's time for some final thoughts yep. and to decide whether this is worth the purchase, worth the purchase, or is it worthless? <sighs> Do you want me to start? Go for it. All right. So, you know, this movie, I really like it. I mean, I know I've said some negative things about it, uh, but you know, uh, I really like Tim Burton's first two Batman films. Uh, I think they're, you know, and, and you know, this movie is not independent of them totally. I mean, Tim Burton set the mood for what Batman was with his dark and brooding first film especially. And and this and you know, Christopher Nolan kind of echoes that dark and brooding feel. But uh this is probably when it came out this was the be- probably the best Batman movie made. Yeah. Uh I don't think it blows Tim Burton movies out of the water personally. I, I think this movie does have some issues that I've discussed. Um a few contrivances uh, I do wish the villain was stronger. I, I do. I am really disappointed that Liam Neeson doesn't have a bigger role in this movie than what he does. Uh, 
and Christian Bale is a little overboard for me sometimes in this movie. But for the large part, I, I love Christopher Nolan's take on Batman. I think he did a, a really good job for the most part of giving a plausible explanation of why this man would dress up like a bat and fight criminals. <laughs> I think he, and he, I love the characters in this movie are all really fleshed out, all really good. Um, I think there are some great themes in this movie. Uh, I, I think Christopher, like I said, I think Christopher Nolan, obviously David S. Goyer, he, he's, he's the story credit. Uh, I think he deserves a lot of credit, but I think Nolan, I mean, if you watch a lot of other Goyer films, they, uh, a lot of times they don't make a lot of sense and the characters aren't that deep and it's just kind of like throwing superhero crap at the screen for two hours. I think Nolan did a great job of, of always being like, okay, well. Taking, he, like he really takes the, the characters and the lore behind the character and grounds it. He grounds it. That's what Nolan does. He, he grounds movies to the best of his ability. And I think he did a good job with this movie. Uh, I, I think this movie does drag a little bit. I wish it was probably about 15, 20 minutes shorter. And I, I do wish like maybe some of the action scenes where especially hand to hand combat scenes, maybe were filmed a little more wide angle uh, shot with more wide angle shots and the like. But Overall, this movie is really beautiful. Uh, like you said, there's some cityscape shots, helicopter or, or drone. I don't know if they had drones at this point that they were shooting with, but uh, <laughs> uh, that are really good. Effects, really good. Like I said, a lot of it's practical. I give Nolan a lot of credit for that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really enjoy this movie. It's definitely worth the purchase. Uh, definitely worth the purchase on Blu-ray or 4K or whatever to see it in high definition. For the fans of the audio version of this, go ahead and give it a star rating, too. If you had two out of five. If I was to give it a star rating, I would give it four stars. Four stars? All right. But uh, what about you? Uh, I'm not really going to you know, say a whole lot other than what you said. I mean, I'm, I'm really not going to say it because you've pretty much said it all. It does have some, some, some minor problems, but I think a lot of people really forget. Everyone talks about the Dark Knight when it comes to the Dark Knight trilogy. Everyone, you know... It's, it's almost a, a consensus that that movie is essentially a masterpiece. It is the definitive superhero movie, grounded in reality, dark, great villain, great acting, everything all the way around. But I think a lot of people really forget how good this first movie actually is in, the, in this Dark Knight trilogy. I mean, it, it really sets up the tone and the feel that we carry on into the Dark Knight that people love so much. Um, the, the minor problems with the movie, they don't, they don't bother me a whole lot. I mean, it does have its problems, and it's it's not the Dark Knight. A lot of its problems lie in in the fact that there's not a super strong villain like in the Dark Knight. And Ra's al Ghul definitely could have been a lot more. And the pacing, like you said, does drag a little bit at times, and it probably could have been a little bit shorter. But the two-hour, 20-minute runtime doesn't really bother me. Uh, I, I personally really love this movie. I am definitely say it's worth the purchase. I bought the entire Dark Knight trilogy on 4K on Black Friday last year. They were 10 bucks a piece on Best Buy. So definitely worth that purchase. Um, and as far as a star rating goes, I'm going to give it four and a half stars. I, I, I've always loved this movie. You know I have I have a big love for this movie too. I've said multiple times on the audio version of this show, um, this is the movie that I remember really that probably gave me my love for, for film. Um, my grandmother took me to go see it in 2005 when it came out. She gave me the option of going to see a Rangers game or... We're going to see this, and I chose Batman, and so it started. <laughs> but uh, definitely, definitely a great movie. Definitely a great start to a trilogy. 
And uh, I got to really commend Christopher Nolan and everyone involved for creating something that is very plausible to, I mean, plausible within a degree, especially considering money constraints, but yeah. uh, that could be a reality. Yeah. Very grounded, so. Well, it's amazing. You know, I said that uh, at the time this movie was released, it was the best Batman film. Yeah. I, I definitely, think, I'd, I'd agree with that 100%. I think arguably now, though, uh, including, this is only the, I would say probably only the third best movie now that uh, has Bruce Wayne in it, so. Uh, uh, see, as far as Batman movies go, obviously The Dark Knight's going to be at the top of my list. Uh, it'd be a real toss-up whether I'd put this one at number two or if I'd put uh, Batman Returns at number two, because Batman Returns is... Also, an oh, I was talking movie. about Joker. <laughs> I I don't I'm not gonna count that as a Batman movie. You like Batman Returns that much? Batman Returns is the really penguin? good. Penguin, yeah. <laughs> okay, I mean I like it. I, I would I I won't consider I'm not considering Joker a a Batman movie. I mean it has Bruce Wayne in it <laughs> briefly, mm. briefly. I mean if you want to count that, yeah, definitely Dark Knight. Then that. Yeah. But if we're discounting the fact that. That has a young Bruce Wayne in it for maybe five minutes of a two-hour-long movie. I was just saying, movies in the Batman universe or whatever, uh, probably the third best now. But anyway, we're getting off track. Um, I think that's all we had for you uh, this week as far as this movie is concerned. As I said, we're going to be moving, or my goal is to move all of our DNA Film War stuff. Um, from now on, we're going to be doing it as video Yeah. Uh, it'll definitely YouTube still be published. Videos. It'll still be published as an audio file for at least the next uh, maybe month or so. Yeah, just to get people used to people uh, to it being as, as a video format, and we'll make sure people know that. So um, I'll go ahead and say, if you're listening to this in audio format, make sure that you're knowing that we are going to be transferring this over to a video format on YouTube. So under the new uh, name of DNA Productions. So yeah, that's right. And uh, always got to plug our other podcast if you enjoy listening. This- Enjoy listening to us. Uh, we do have another podcast called Stomp This Way where we review a different monster movie every week, uh, which you can check that out on all major pod hosting services. Yeah, if you want to follow us on social media, we'll have links down below for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So be sure you give us a like or a follow on those platforms. That's be right. sure to tell your friends about us. And don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. Absolutely. Well, like this video, subscribe to our channel, I guess I should say. And uh, we'll see you next time. He's here. Who? The Batman. God, that must be destroyed. Gotham isn't beyond saving. Dresses up like a bat, clearly has issues.